and welcome back to Inside Voice, the podcast from Voice Summit. I'm your host, James Poulter, and we are very excited because we have just announced our lineup of some of our keynote speakers that are coming to Voice this summer in Newark, New Jersey from the 22nd of July. If you've not yet registered for tickets, you can do that. Just head to voicesummit.ai. And if you do, you'll have the opportunity to meet some of these great folks that are coming along. We've got David Bixke back from Amazon Alexa's team. He'll be there sharing his thoughts on the latest that's happening on the platform. We've got people like Adva Levin from Pretzel Labs and Benny Lickfett from Diageo. So many interesting people to come and hear from that you'll also be hearing on the podcast in the coming weeks. And one of those people is my guest this week, and that is the wonderful Lisa Viger from the BBC. She is a product manager on the most recent BBC Kids skill, which I'm sure many of you may have been checking out and paying attention to. We caught up this week at the Technova Voice event that was happening in London, and we were caught up a little bit about what she's been learning from building things in the world of voice. So coming up on the show today, you'll get my interview with her. And I also have some other additional news for you that if you are listening in the UK, we will be hosting a new event happening in May, which is going to be a feeder event to our main summit in July in Newark. And so if you want to find out more information about the upcoming London meetup, you can find out all of the information by going to bit.ly slash voice London. That's bit.ly slash voice London and you'll be able to sign up on Eventbrite to join us there at the London meetup in May. All of the information can be found there and on all of our social media channels as well, which you can find us pretty much anywhere, Voice Summit AI. Okay, let's get into this week's episode, as I mentioned, with BBC's Lisa Viger from the BBC Kids team. She's the product manager there and recorded this week at the Technova Voice Summit in London. Welcome back to the Inside Voice podcast. I'm your host, James Poulter, and I am here with the BBC's Lisa Viger, as she has just told me, like Tiger, uh, who is a product manager for the BBC in the voice and AI team. I think I have that right. Yes, hi. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us. And Lisa, you've been working uh, for the past uh, couple of years in the voice and AI space, or maybe the past year or so, uh, primarily with the children's and BBC kids skill, which I'm sure many people uh, listening to the show will be familiar. Is that right? Yes, I'm the product manager of the BBC kids skill, also known as the CBB skill. That's its primary content. <laughs> and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you get into this whole voice space from? What, because you didn't start here. You've got a background in television and other things. Yeah, I know. I think I, like many people, I've got a bit of a varied background. Uh, as we were just talking about a second ago, yeah, I did a stint working in various TV programs at one point. But I've been in digital, as many people would expect, for quite a long time, kind of dipping in and out. Um, I was product manager in the children's BBC voice apps space for quite a long time so your listeners might be familiar with CBB's Playtime CBB's Storytime so they were um, apps that I product managed kind of a few years back um, I went on maternity leave uh, I've been been off for a little while and then when I came back kind of May last year so I've not even been doing the voice stuff properly for a year yet um, I joined the voice and AI team at the BBC looking after the BBC kids skill which wasn't then li- yet live and now you've now. got your own private focus group at home as well I understand I <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, What's yes. that teaching you about kind of how you're interacting and how you're building these things? Obviously, becoming a parent, well, I've been through it twice, and I can say that they are the primary uh, example that I use at home all the time with my girls. How is it? What are you learning from watching your kids around these things or, or children in general interacting with the BBC Kids Skills? Um, it's an interesting one because 
kind of one of our number one design rules is that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't just kind of go off your own use case. It's really hard not to sometimes, though, when you kind of see how your children behave. You kind of think, oh, well, obviously this must be how all children behave. But that, that isn't the case. Uh, many, everyone's different. Families are different. People are different. Um, but it is really interesting, actually, as they kind of start interacting with it. I've actually, I've got two as well. I've got a one-year-old and a four-year-old. And my one-and-a-half-year-old is just learning to talk. And she started kind of saying, Alexis, she started going up and trying to kind of say it and it's hilarious we've uh, been videoing her recently yeah. trying our best to interact with the device well I have the same I have a four year old and a nearly one year old so I've, I've witnessed it go through the kind of tech adoption they're now both fluent in Google and Alexa at this point or at least the four year old <laughs> is um, and they use your CBB skill quite a bit and I think one of the things that they find uh, fascinating is when new content drops into the skill so for those that haven't maybe used it you obviously started out with a few different IPs uh, and they've now added a number of others why don't you just tell us a little bit about what the journey has been of going from those initial uh, IPs that you started with? So it was Hey Dougie, uh, the Go Jetters, I believe, uh, Andy's Dinosaur Adventure to nearly. start with. <laughs> I, I, I might be nearly right. So uh, you tell us what, what's in the skill now and what did you start with and what's grown since then? Yeah, sure. So we launched in September 2018 with three games um, Justin's House, which is a little monster hide and seek game. We had Go Jetters, which is a kind of a quiz based game. And we had Andy's kind of dance party which is a song and dance game. Uh, then we followed that up with launching Stories, which is linked to our CBB's Bedtime Stories brand on TV, which hopefully parents will know pretty well. Um, and then... Most recently, actually, in February last month, we launched our new section of songs. So we've just kind of been playing out different types of songs. We actually just moved our Andy's game into our songs content because we kind of felt from kind of user feedback, etc., um, that it would just fitted much better there. And we're finding that the users can get to the content and kind of play along much more easily. And along the way there, we've also been adding more content to each of those areas. So we actually add new stories every month. Um, we've added kind of various new games. As you mentioned, we've done Hey Dougie, Waffle, and there's a new game actually coming very soon. So a CBeebies game, which will be very exciting. We'll, we'll be back to you, I'm sure, for that when it comes around. Now, just for, for many of our US listeners, you may not be so familiar with CBeebies, but just in case, to uh, explain, this is for really the kind of preschool, uh, kindergarten kind of age group. Uh, nothing yet in the kind of CBBC space, I would say, that is the kind of older children. What, why focus so much on these kind of very young children? It's a really good question. Um, to answer your first question, yes, it's kind of aimed at three to six-year-olds. Um, it's difficult because depending on the three-year-old, it, it might be too young still. So sometimes the core is more four to six, but we, we try our best for the younger as much as possible. Um, the question as to why, I think what we did, um, we looked at stats that most people have got available to them. So families is, is like a big use case here. Um, but at the same time, we were kind of thinking about what is our established brands in the BBC space that we can work with and I think as a lot of people did in this kind of new technology we looked at the closest match which was our apps and how things perform there and actually in our apps estate CBBS is kind of the strongest um, kind of category there because I think it's down to the parents being in charge of the acquisition parents get things and they use so it over and over again and they encourage because their children the parents to do are so instigating well. a lot of these things so when you come to targeting you know kind of making people aware of these because we know 
know that invoice discoverability is an issue and we're seeing that across the board not just in children's but more generally so what are you guys doing to actually use other media other formats of actually driving parents to even know that they can ask for CBBS on their Alexa or you know other smart device it's yeah it's a really good question and it's really tricky as you say it's something that I think the industry is struggling with as a whole um, trying to work out what type of promotion works in this space um, I think most people find that speaking specifically about um, Alexa, Amazon's own uh, promotional kind of platform works really well. If people are looking for specific skills and new things to do, they'll go to the um, companion app and they'll also kind of get very targeted emails into their inbox for, for users. So that kind of works quite well for us if we really work quite hard to kind of do what Amazon kind of want from us to keep that partnership going and I suppose that, that helps us being the BBC. I understand that that's a different situation for um, startups etc but at the same time um, we've tried a little bit of social and not kind of found that that works so well and our kind of hypothesis there is that a lot of time people may well be looking at that on their phone where they're on a train or you know on the tube um, rather than in a situation where they can activate it straight away and we're in a lucky position to be able to have some kind of TV estate uh, although we haven't got kind of expensive trails and things we've tried to get the presenters to kind of mention um, our skill on air here yeah, and there I mean, I've seen that myself with our children in the evening of the presenters on TV mentioning that they can get this in the same way they do on their apps as well. I suppose you are faced with some limitations because you've only got that skill on Alexa right now and obviously that tends to lend itself mostly to smart devices like a smart speaker in the home. Why only on Alexa? Because I think at the moment obviously many questions would be around being a public service broadcaster. You guys do need to kind of be everywhere or there is an impetus to want to be everywhere. So why start with Alexa you know, and where do you see the balance where that might go in the future? Yeah, um, all very good questions. Uh, <laughs> Without yes. giving away any secrets, obviously. <laughs> you're, you're right. It's a really tricky position for the BBC to be in. Uh, we have real issues. You were just talking about marketing and promotion. But we can't promote Amazon. We can't promote Alexa. So we have to be really clever in our wording on screen. And you've, you've probably heard it. We kind of, uh, you know, get your, yeah, get your adult to wake your smart speaker without saying anything specific. But we have real issues there as well because we have some uh, parents who are annoyed because it makes out like it's on all smart speakers and it's not as you just pointed out we're only on Amazon at the moment we definitely have ambitions to go further and be on more platforms I say it's just uh, priority wise it's like for a product we've been focusing on um, establishing our offering and our content so we feel that we've got the, the the platform as we want it before we go wider now let's double click slightly on the um, detail of what it means to make something for kids because that is a really fascinating case and I, I, having a background in working with children myself uh, not as some kind of uh, you know, kind of entertainer or anything but I worked at Lego before I was doing what we do now at Vixen um, you know, we built a lot of stuff for kids and there are some interesting unique ways of building things for children uh, maybe just tell us about some of the learnings you've had about what it means to build something for young children and family context as opposed to what you might do for an adult to begin with I suppose uh, rather than myself as a designer as a product manager looking at the whole picture there's the whole data and GDPR issue that we really have to be very careful with the sensitivities around um, with any platform, but especially such a new and nascent platform. It's just, I know our legal people were just really hesitant and really nervous about what are Amazon going to do with this data and the same situation would be for Google or other platforms. So that's kind of number one, the thing that we had to deal with. Um, secondary, I think we touched on a minute ago, it's that thing of who is the audience? Is it the parents or the children? Is it both? The challenges there would be different depending on which one you focus on. So we actually made a decision that we were going to market 
market to parents but designed for children to use and in that designing for children to use has got a whole plethora of difficulties um, around making it really simple expecting them to say things wrong um, and both of those things are stuff that we designed for um, things like we don't ask children to say or remember the full song um, titles or ask them to remember the full story kind of that's um, right you kind of give them little reminder one word invocations that they can use yeah makes exactly it a lot simpler. as much as possible we try for one word or two words if we can do that but it's kind of like a golden rule of not going above that and at the same time we give them two options to remember because we kind of found from our user testing that above that is quite difficult cognitively for children to remember so it's all just trying to keep it simple tell me a little bit more about the user testing. Your colleague Hannes was here at the Technova Summit in London where we're recording this show um, and was talking a little bit about some of the ways that he was uh, doing user testing and you guys have been working with users through focus groups and many other things. Maybe just tell us a little bit about what that methodology has been like. How have you been learning what consumers really want when so much of the data that we really need to make these things better is quite limited at this point? Yeah, definitely. So as you say, we have to rely on the qual because all the quant isn't there all the time. Um, I'd say that our process of evolved over time when we're setting out with something new which we did uh, for the kids skill we did a lot of focus group style testing I say what's difficult for children is a three-year-old is very different from a six-year-old so we have to do this quite a lot we have to try and get him a group of children of different genders of different backgrounds um, and different ages to try and get a, a decent spread um, so that's why we did quite a lot of that style testing early on and got them into labs and with the parents and asked them questions I think as the skill has evolved we've changed our methodology a little bit more to go um, and do some in-home research so we've kind of asked people to fill out questionnaires and diaries and gone and kind of sat with them while they're using these devices to try and understand how they actually use it when they're in their own home environment because there's only so far that questionnaires etc can really get you I think you have to kind of get in in the middle of it to really understand how it's being used where do you see the the future particularly for kids skills going at the moment there's a lot of story content some of these games uh, but maybe you know a lot of opportunity particularly one of the, the 10 of what the BBC does is around education. Do you see opportunity there to actually do more educational type content beyond just the limitations of kind of entertaining, which a lot of what we do right now is, is entertainment focused? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, we have a lot of conversation around these type of things. I think there's so many things that we could do. Uh, as you say, at the moment for the kids skill, we're focused quite a lot on the entertainment side. I suppose there's a balance there. We always try and kind of uh, educate through fun type of um, principle in CBBs especially, but uh, I see the the opportunity really, and what we've learned there's comes back to keeping it simple. I think um, some of the kind of interactive kind of game type stuff we've done, maybe we've kind of pushed it a bit too far on the kind of interactivity. And now there's the newer stuff that we've started to do is keeping it a bit more simple as far as what you need to do to engage and kind of... More streaming content, for example, rather than all of these kind of Q&As that some of the experiences had in the early stage. I think there will be more kind of streaming linear content, but the interactive content that we have will be... Um, just simpler. Simpler for kids to use, simpler for them to say, simpler for them to move on because um, we kind of found that there were elements where people were getting stuck, especially in something like the Justin's game. So we're really trying to kind of simplify our interactives as well as our linear content. Now, your background, you mentioned before, you worked in app building, iPad apps and iPhone apps and other devices are available, obviously. Um, but, you know, building apps predominantly. What are some of the things you've learned from that market that you've taken into voice? Are there any analogies that you can bring across, things that you did there 
there that you're seeing work here or is it a completely different landscape? Um, I think as a lot of people have said you know, today, there are similarities, but it's, it's quite different and it's still really early days uh, for Voice as a platform. Um, one of the things that I kind of think about is something like the CBeebies Playtime skill was similar to what the BBC Kids skill is kind of becoming. It's kind of a, a one kind of ultimate app that's got many things in it um, as opposed to kind of some of the more simpler apps that we did uh, more in CBBC actually that were just like one game like for the dumping ground and for Danger Mouse which way is the right way to go if it's one kind of to rule them all or small because obviously we, we have this discoverability problem right of that and knowing what all the things that that skill can do so are you thinking about how to get around some of those challenges that a skill with lots of things inside of it can be a bit hard to navigate if you don't have visual aspects of it as well yeah I think um to me, there's two layers of discoverability. There's the finding the skill in the first place, and then there's finding content within the skill. Um, if you just have one skill, then you have control of the latter. Um, but then it comes with its own problems. You're saying, I don't know what the right answer is. I think we need to experiment. We need to trial all this, and it's all quite new. One of the unique things about the BBC uh, children's skill, and actually the BBC skill in uh, skills in general, obviously you have the, also the, the kind of native, uh, almost iPlayer-like skill of being able to get radio stations and podcasts and things, um, is that they all use original voice casting and original voice acting um, from either some of the franchises, but also in the navigation voices as well. Your UI voices, you've also developed custom voices. Just talk to us a little bit about why choose to do that? Why not rely more upon the, the synthetic voices of Alexa or the poly voices that are available? Yeah, especially the kids' skill and the main BBC skill, which has our radio stations in and relies more heavily on kind of Alexa at the moment. Um, I think there's pros and cons. I think we chose to go with one of the CBeebies presenters, um, Rebecca, as a voice of our skill. Um, we really wanted it to feel like the kind of uh, CBeebies world, um, familiarity and friendliness that at the time the poly voices went around when we brought out the skill. Um, didn't really feel like it was on offer uh, in the Alexa landscape. Nowadays, we maybe would choose to do it differently. I'm not sure, because yeah. I still feel like that was the right decision to make. I feel like we were proud of the tone and the friendliness that we have in the CBB skill, but it comes with its limitations because you Rebecca's would... got to be available. Exactly. If she's ill, you can't update And what things. if she leaves? Right, yeah. It is a little bit... Of a so there is that challenge of tying a voice to a real person, and particularly a known personality, as you mentioned, Rebecca's obviously one of the presenters on television as well, so yeah, we've seen this in the radio landscape recently with your very own Chris Evans at the BBC leaving Radio 2 and going to Virgin. You know, he takes with him both a brand and an audience. Do you think that that could also become a problem, not necessarily for the BBC, but for other branded skills out there as well? I can see that being an issue for some skills, as you say. I, don't, I suppose it depends how heavily uh, that that person is the persona of the skill and how much... Cause that's, that's, that's overt, if you see what I mean. Rebecca is the voice of the skill, but at no point does she say, hi, I'm Rebecca, I'm doing this for you, this is mine, and have that kind of um, narrative. It's more that it's more subtle, that it's just that so friendly tone. it's more tone. habits, that tone, that personality that you want to, to display to the children. Yes, exactly, yeah. But it, it is still a challenge. As a product manager and a team that are trying to work agile and iterative, we definitely have limits there on what how, how quick we can put stuff out to test and learn. You've obviously been also working with a number of IPs within the, the skill itself. Obviously, things like Hey Dougie and things like that are also produced, obviously, for CBBS and for the, C, uh, for the BBC, but with uh, you know, from outside production houses and stuff. What's it been like to have to work with uh, outside producers as well to actually make these things? Have they been open and ready to do these things, or has that been a struggle along the way? Yeah, I think it depends um, on the... the, 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 the 
terminology, sorry. Um, I think that depends on the brand and the production house, really, because sometimes they've been really keen and sometimes they've been less keen and just quite hard to get hold of. And sometimes they've been really keen but really want to influence what that is. And their idea of what is right for their brand isn't always something that's right for voice or in a voice-first format, as we kind of call it. Um, we're actually currently having quite a lot of discussions around Justin's House, the game that uh, was one of the first ones that we put in. And we know like from our feedback from our users that um, some of the sound effects in there they think just isn't quite right. An example being, we kind of say, what's this sound? And you hear the sound of an alarm clock, but it's not an alarm clock that we would know nowadays. Most people have a kind of beeping or whatever from their like phones rather than an old school style. But that is the sound in the show. So that's what the producers of the show and the brand really, that's what they want us to use because that is uh, very tied to the brand. That doesn't necessarily make for the best sound effect when all you can hear is that sound, not Particularly any visual. Particularly trying to describe a UI sound, essentially. Yeah, that's We all describe those things differently. I can tell you my example. My, my daughter has described that clock sound you're talking about as a bell or a buzzer before and, and not as a clock. And obviously, if that invocation is not there or the synonyms aren't there, you're not going to get it, right? So quite unique challenges within the voice world. We're all learning. We're all learning. Well, so, and finally, maybe in conclusion, just tell us a couple of things that you're excited about uh, more broadly. Not necessarily, you don't have to be specific to giving away a project but as you look at voice over the rest of 2019 and as we head towards having you guys at voice summit uh, in july what types of things are you looking forward to where are you excited um in voice in general um i think i'm really just excited to see people crack some of these problems that you know that we've all been talking about um even finding you know, the perfect synthesized voice um finding you know to tackle this problem of having the right tone and it not just sounding like a robot um discoverability both outside and inside the skill really cracking how we do that for promotion wise and some really nice templates and kind of best practice but i think best practice actually in the industry in general would just be really great to to get to um you know a good place there um so i'm really interested to see some of these these big questions being tackled and and selfishly you know in our bbc world i'm looking forward to hopefully us um, do much more kind of exciting things with many different bbc brands to get our wealth of content out there well in conclusion lisa maybe if people want to try the uh, cbb's or bbc children's skill what do they have to say to alexa to get that started if you want to access the bbc kids skill say open cbb's there you go very simple so if you are obviously in the uk you can do that open CBBS uh, for our US friends you might have to go switch some settings around so go give that a go but thank you very much Lisa Viger for taking the time production manager from the BBC of joining us on Inside Voice this week thanks very much and thanks to the Technova team for having us here you've been listening to the Inside Voice podcast from Voice Summit if you are coming to join us you'll be able to meet Lisa and the team uh, over in Newark in New Jersey at the end of July where a number of the BBC will be there presenting uh, across the main stages and also in seminars so make sure you get your tickets that's still available Voice Summit AI, and we'll see you again next week on the Voice Summit podcast, Inside Voice.